0: Hi, and welcome to the Homeopathy Health Show. I'm Atika Madbati, a fourth generation homeopath with over 20 years of professional experience in this field of healing. In the Homeopathy Health Show, I'll be talking all things homeopathy and natural, with guest interviews, tips and advice, and answering some of your questions. Homeopathy is truly a unique, complementary system of healing suitable for all ages, young and old. I'd love to hear from you and welcome your questions on homeopathy and how it can or has helped you. Feel free to email me at health at liketreatslike.co.uk or visit www.liketreatslike.co.uk for more information. Once you're there, take a look at the Knowledge Academy and Blog section where you will find interesting information. Both sections are growing day by day, so always check back. So let's begin today's show on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio, real feel-good radio. Hello, I hope you're well and in good health. Well, it's certainly been a wonderfully busy week, and I say wonderful because I've had the opportunity, again, by the grace of God, to help many patients with their health concerns. And that's always something that I I treasure, and, and indeed I will treasure uh, until the end of my days as such. Um, I find actually the weeks are becoming so you know I mentioned this a few weeks ago, didn't I? The weeks just fly by and um what's even more strange now is that even the days seem to fly by so there's never enough hours in the day uh, to achieve all the objectives um unless of course I cut back on sleep but I'm, I'm not going to do that as uh, you have to sleep, you have to recharge the batteries as they say. Now, moving on, um, today, I'm delighted to speak to Pat Ahern, who is known to many on social media as a homeopathic farmer. What a great name, isn't it? That's, uh, that I, I love it, I love it, homeopathic farmer. Now, Pat Ahern um, is actually a conventional farmer, but he does have a rather unconventional outlook. Pat is located in what is properly, uh, probably the last piece of farmland between Cork Airport and Cork City, in the Republic of Ireland. He holds the title of being the last farmer in his parish, which was actually once a very thriving farming community and home to the famous CMP dairies that was set up by local farmers to produce the first ever bottle of pasteurized milk in Ireland in the 1950s. Well, there's a historical fact for you. Now, Pat owns a herd of 90 cows under the prefix Anna Maria, which is named aptly after his two daughters. How nice. Pat is a third generation on the farm, and his grandmother bought the farm in 1958. Pat's father, Patrick, took over in 1968, and Pat took over in 2014. So uh Pat as a third generation as a fourth generation homeopath to a third generation farmer uh, <laughs> delighted to have you on the podcast who thought that would happen eh <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yes thank you very much atik uh, for the the opportunity um and uh, thank you for the introduction um yes without a doubt uh i never thought when i started down this road uh of e- using alternative medicine and in particular homeopathy that one day I would be sitting opposite a fourth generation uh, homeopath, which uh, is what I would out a great honor. But um, yeah, I am. Um, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I started uh, into it there about maybe by pure chance 13 years ago. I had a right. major out- outbreak of mastitis uh, in the herd. Standard procedure, pump the cows with drugs and antibiotics and tubes up into their into their into their others. Um, uh, udders. um and is it,
0: common, said, is it common, Pat? Is it common for mastitis? But, right.
1: Mastitis would be one of the greatest um, uh, sores, or um, shall we say, in, in farming. It is a it's a, it is a common problem. It's more, I would say, as I've realised with homeopathy, it's more a stress-related factor. Whether uh, stress, um, the way the, the world markets are with farming and uh, driving down the price of food, the only option a farmer Farmers, like I suppose, like most businesses, they have blinkers on. They don't look left nor right of other options. So to a farmer, they will see that the only option to literally maintain a business is more numbers. So then you have more numbers inside in a tighter space and like literally packing people into a into a, into a a city. There's going to be issues. And in a herd, there is a social structure. There is uh, stress factors. There's the shy cow, the confident cow, the bully cow. Uh, And there's the family groups and one family will keep away from another family. Um, There's there's all that structure. But when it becomes a quagmire in in big herds, that whole structure breaks down. And in a way, with the modern medicine of antibiotics, it has allowed us as a society to have huge herds that we didn't have 100 years ago, 200 years ago. And it was great. Antibiotics were amazing. That's what, what has created these one thousand, ten thousand cow herds. Hmm. Um, and literally, uh, I, I, I had seen recently a, a video, and German literally had his, his antibiotic room, and he said, "This is the nerve center of my ten thousand cow herd in America." Uh, and he said, "Don't I don't want to be the guy who's going to pull the antibiotics and be responsible for the death of two billion people?" And I was kind of going, "But." But the two billion people are going to die anyway because of antimicrobial resistance, the amount of drugs being pumped in. Mm. So like, even if we reduce it down to the hundred cow farmer, it's, it's still the blinkers are on. They don't look left or right. And it's just pump drugs into the animal. And that's where I was in 2010. Um, and at one stage, I was treating 16 cows out of 21. Uh, cows in a period of three weeks from astitis. And I just said, never again. It was just, it was just stress levels on both man and beast was just too much. Um, and financially, it was a massive hole, uh, in it as well. And at one stage, I, I thought to my, I said to myself when I was coming into the parlor one morning, I just, I'm actually going to war against nature and I'm not even winning the battle. And hence, I just said there had to be another way there just had to be i'm not doing it again and it was just without a doubt i would say you know it's your garden angel it's by the grace of god it is literally i i had no planning in going to my local um my local agricultural shop this particular day um it was out of my way i had other um, jobs to do and it was just literally my little angel saying no you know, you've got to go to the shop and i went to the uh the farm store and here was this guy selling these bottles of water. And I was like, what's this? And he said, it's homeopathy. And I was like, what's homeopathy? And he, I got a very basic explanation. Mm. And it will help you. So eventually, after a very hard sell over a number of weeks, he eventually managed to hand the bottles over to me. I put it into uh, into progr- into action. And um, at the time, I was doing monthly milk recording, where a guy will come in, take samples of milk during your milking, of each individual cow and over a matter of months this the cell count started stabilizing and went dramatically dropped off down to a very healthy uh 200 under 200,000 of uh, a cell count white blood cell count and once a cow was underneath 200,000 it's she's considered healthy but my cows were actually going below 100 they were going below 50,000 like they were completely healthy and I was fascinated with this I was like wow um and this was in the very early days of Google, so information was very sparse and such as my lack of knowledge of homeopathy, I genuinely believed that homeopathy was just for animals there was no mm. there was nothing else and um I, I, every time I went to Google, it was all about these humans, but my I wasn't focused on humans. All,
0: I, about, I, all about these humans. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I see where your priorities lie there. <laughs> Thanks for that. That makes me feel well, well, so much better.
1: <laughs> well, well, I mean, at the end of the day, you're, I, I, I'm looking after the cows that are producing the milk for the humans. Yeah, so, okay. I, uh, yeah. you know, there's, there's, <laughs> it's a full circle. And um, so I eventually I had no choice but to be reading up on human cases and human stories and I was like kind of going wow okay 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 and eventually I stumbled across then Cauliflinum and at, it was very good for regulating um, the contractions of birth and I then started thinking to myself I said hold on now a second if I could make birth a less traumatic event because I was after experiencing the birth of my uh, Thankfully, and without doubt, it's a great honor to, to witness the birth of your children arriving into this world. So I saw the treat them arriving in and seeing the trauma that's involved in it. And um, I said, you know, if I could actually take the trauma out of the birth of the calf, then would the calf, if it was subject to disease, would be more resilient than having a traumatic birth? And it turned out, I, I just was reading down through one of these articles, you know how there's a high a blue highlighted line and if you click on that, and it led into some study that was done in America where, because uh, I was trying to find out what was calliflinum, which is, I think, corrected black cohort, which is in America. And American Indians uh, are, used it regularly uh, as part of their birth, as part of birthing uh, for their women. And it found that they uh, for the American Indian, they had a higher they had a higher debt at birth rate, but they had a dramatically low post-birth issues compared to Western women who had a very low and we, tr- we pride ourselves in this, a very low birth, debt at birth um, rate, but very high post-birth issues. Hmm. And I said, maybe it's because the, the, the trauma is removed out of the birth and hence uh that we that, that then there's issues. So I said if I could do that, of course then there was more reading, more reading. Eventually I stumbled across um I stumbled uh across um a course then in England uh that the or should we say um an organization in England I was like okay the advantages of I living next to um Cork Airport just jump on a plane get over to England but then how do I get from the airport to to this place? So it was um, I think by September 16, I had a couple of issues uh where I had a calf, um, a nine-month-old calf had broken her leg and only for homeopathy. Um, um the vet had held out no hope for the calf, and I used homeopathy on her, and uh, that was September 16. And today, she was only just uh, being uh, served for next... uh, She's just been... um, She was was breeding today. um, So she's going into her eighth lactation. And this was a cow or a heifer calf that the vet had dismissed. And I was saying that, well, with homeopathy, she will um, be able to continue. And her leg completely sealed up or healed up the joining was just on on the growth blade and it wasn't going to heal it healed and as i said eight years later she or was it six six years later she's still here so
0: it's amazing it was that, isn't it yeah it's amazing yeah. to see that uh especially with uh with animals as well and um you, you mentioned uh which is i found myself personally that um you, you know are you absolutely right here with as far as birth trauma is concerned that pulsatilla and colophyllum actually make a very um, powerful and effective unit for minimizing the trauma but also the pain associated with with uh, giving birth and um, I I have something actually something that's called an easy labor pack uh, which I refer for patients who actually come for this specific reason and and it works wonderful you know, the severity is reduced by at least 60%, and that actually makes uh, giving birth, of course, less traumatic, but um, for want of a better word, enjoyable, as in you're looking forward to it because you're not in so much pain and anxiety and, of course, fear.
1: Oh, yes, yes, and I can see that with the cows. And another one thing that farmers report back with cauliflinum is it completely reduces by up to 95% uh, night-time births. So here you are in your calving period uh, uh, of your year. And, uh, you know, a farmer is getting the most valuable thing of, of all. And you, uh, as you said at the start of your of your podcast there, sleep. We mm-hmm. you, you manage to get a night's sleep. You get, like, whatever it is, they just don't seem to calve from anything from 12, 12 midnight to around about half a 6, 7 o'clock. It just kicks off then for a few hours, and you're there in the yard, and it everything just like a fight, as I was told day one on the when I did the course in um eventually I had jumping back and forth here, like but eventually I did ended up going to England to do what was called homeopathy at Willy level. And um it was a week long residential course, a once off course. Uh I suppose back then they never knew where this was going to lead to, but <clears throat> um and the very, first day, uh, of the, herd, uh, the very first day of the herd, the very first day of the course, the, 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 the head shooter says farmers make the best homeopaths because we're with our patients 24-7. And if we're not with them, we're thinking about them. And if we're not thinking about them, we're dreaming about them.
0: Interesting. And, and true.
1: Uh, uh, and uh, it is. And she said, you, you as farmers already have this skill set that's required of homeopaths is observation. But because of antibiotics, it's become dormant. And with homeopathy, you're going to reawaken this skill that your grandfather's had more than likely. Your father's lost the skill, or your parents, let it be your fathers or mothers, whichever, um, uh, has lost this skill. But we're going to reawaken this skill. And she said, once you get it going, it is like literally having a finely tuned orchestra. And it's just sit back and listen to that orchestra playing, which is your herd, the cows, just functioning beautifully post calving pre calving in the maternity wing of the shed calving away nice and peacefully no stress involved calves up in the in the in the nursery being minded um and in contact but then on the course and as you mentioned that you have your easy calving or your, <laughs> your easy birth um uh, combination mm. remedies well in that course i learned how you can put remedies together And with uh, the help of a homeopathic vet I had in the locality, which I hadn't actually, for I was buying remedies from another guy further up the country, not realizing that I actually had a homeopathic vet only 50 miles away from me. Um, So I contacted him when I came back from the course and uh, we put together a plan. I said, I want to dramatically improve uh, my fertility in the herd. Um, That's my bugbear. I said, I just I want to take the stress out of it. I want everything to run smoothly. And um yeah, he, he went uh that was uh came back, as I said, came back from the course, and um literally just pulsatilla, arnica, Bellis pirellis, um um yeah, pulsatilla was a, um glycinium, which is more for the more anxious first-timer heifers, uh, and that's given about six weeks. Um, maybe twice a week for six weeks and right through until literally the last cow calves. Um, and then, of course, there's other remedies go into the water, which is Articure uh, N6C at uh, drying off. That just, whatever it is, it just helps them to switch off. So they're not being all dried off in the one day, they're dried off over a, a number of weeks. So it's, you, you know, as I, the way, I, again, I would look at my herd of cows as literally uh, a, a group of people or my employees, and it's like literally saying to your employee, well, listen, thanks very much for working with me for the past year, but I won't require you now anymore for a number of weeks, let you go away on holidays. And they're put up into the other corner of the shed, but they can hear the milking parlour going in the morning as a case of what I want, uh, why, why Why are my friends going to the parlour? Why Why am I here with these other uh, group of girls or whatever? Uh, and, and even though everything is laid on for them, but what uh, and what happens is with the stress is they will uh, what we call they'll be bagging down or springing down. They'll be holding onto their milk because they're not able to dry off. Now that is the beauty of antibiotics. You just go along and you just shoot them so that when the stress comes on, the antibiotic is there to uh, to dramatically reduce any infection that they will get again mm. from stress. But now deal with antibiotics have been, I think it's this past January, it's officially now, they're now officially banned. You want to have a solid reason to be able to give a dry cow antibiotic to a healthy cow. Um, You can give her an antibiotic uh, if she's over 200,000. To be honest, uh, I wouldn't. she want to be over a million Uh, for me to be giving her an antibiotic at this stage because I can now migrate my, my issues with homeopathy. But... You give her at the day of drying off, uh, or as I refer to, going on her holidays. They're they they they're giving her the urine and giving it uh, once a day, every day, for about four days until the last cow had arrived in to, uh, for being dried off. And um, literally, I, I would be close on 98% uh, n- non-antibiotic drying off, which is a dramatic reduction from 100%. Mm. Uh, antibiotics and it, it's amazing to see urine 6c just literally drain them up they just soak up they just the stress has taken over the event and that and that's a major event as i said because it's like literally been told sorry you've lost your job thanks very much we don't require you no more that's the way i would look at it psychologically from a cow's point of view um, i
0: think also though pat um you know as as you're sort of explaining this uh and the beauties of homeopathy but also the fact that for farmers for you as a as a farmer who's out there every single day you know you know really working hard and and i think again round of applause to to all farmers across the country across the around the world because the work that is done is incredible and and i just don't think there's enough appreciation for that but it because of the reassurance that you have now with homeopathy and what it can help your your herd with it also helps you because it reduces that stress and that trauma which means you actually get more done you're not uh spending your time worrying frantically oh will it work will it what about this and what about that what if the antibiotic god forbid doesn't work or whatever treatments you're you're on you know because you've experienced homeopathy you know right i'm going to give her this remedy or that remedy or whatever it, it will be for whatever situation and that's it, and you move on rather than stop and think. Okay, let's wait for it to work. You just know it's going to start working, and you carry on with whatever it is that you need to do.
1: Oh, oh, oh yes, without a doubt. And and and, and like I've had cows with mastitis, high temperatures. Like a, a normal a cow's normal temperature is one hundred one point five, and I actually had a cow. Uh, she's actually she was carved for three weeks, and she would have been carved, uh Around the start of March, this is the end of March going into April, which is just at the point of uh, the equinox, The days are as, as long as the nights. And the temperature was going from 15 degrees during the day down to two. So it's hard mm. cold and I'm on a northeast facing hill. So the cows were going out at night time at this stage. it's The weather was good and they'd be out from around about the end of March. They'd be out day and night. But this heifer, who is just after giving birth um, uh, for her first time. um. Was and she had a very uh a very hard spring. Her udder was very hard, um, and she just wasn't milking out, which then of course created the situation of mastitis. Um, and came to the field one morning, and there she was standing there, and you could see the poor w- animal was in was literally going into shock. She was like, first of all, the shock of being cold, and the shock of what's happening to me. I'm I'm getting sick here. So I had uh, she came in with the herd. I milked her. Uh, she had no temperature. Um, she seemed to have milked out clean. I wasn't too concerned. And her and as I said, no temperature. So off she went. There was no bother with her. That evening she came in, checked her again. She was last in. I was like, okay, and checked her. Now she had a temperature. And um, and as I, I, I then I checked the temperature again about maybe 20 minutes later, and it was going up. So we're going from 101.5 up to one 102, 3, 4, and um. Eventually, uh, I, I was then giving her the, the remedies for mastitis. At this stage, I could see that she was beginning to come down to mastitis, so I'd give her the remedy: being your belladonna for heat and a high temperature, bryonia for uh, a hard quarter, swelling, inflammation, and uh, carbo veg um, to uh, pump uh, pump the oxygen into the, the blood to get the blood flowing to get the milk going. Uh, oh, no, sorry, urt- urine. Your end flow flow of milk. Sorry, BBU is uh, is um is to get uh, get the milk increase the flow of milk, and uh, I was doing that, but I was doing it in single remedy. You can do it in combination, but at this stage, I was going with single remedy administration. Temperature was up now at this stage at about one hundred and six, and and the animal was standing there chewing the cud. <laughs> I, had, I, I was kind of going but you've a high temperature i said this animal is going to drop dead now in front of me with, with a heart attack at, at this stage i mean she's literally cooking and um so eventually i i text into my group because uh we have a group of farmers now on whatsapp and i just text in and i said look having a problem here i can't um i can't get this temperature down so thankfully, one of the vets uh, replied back, he says, she you not look at your, if I'm correcting the word, uh, uh, modalities, as in, have you not looked at the weather? And I was like, yeah, it's cold. And he goes, yeah, but the temperature is swinging so much that she's, she's gone sh- into shock with the weather. And when did it happen? I explained the whole story. And he goes, that's it, she has a fear of you putting her out into the cold night. So give her aconite. I said, well, what's aconite got to do with mastitis? And he goes, fear. She's the fear of the cold. Take away the fear and she will heal herself. The temperature will come down. And I gave her just one spray of aconite into her vulva because it's instant into the mucous membrane. It's instant into the body. And within 20 minutes, the temperature was 106, 105.8, dropping, dropping. And within, I'd say, about an hour and a half, she was down to normal, inside, drinking, put her back into the thing, drinking water, eating all around her. And never again got my sides after that, and that was three years ago.
0: You know, that's uh, that is proof. Uh, like, you know, we often homeopaths get asked, and and, and I suppose not just homeopaths actually, um, anyone who practices any sort of natural form of medicine. It could be anything from Ayurvedic to uh, Chinese system. It could be, of course, homeopathy, um, or, or or anything else, herbal medicine as well. But the proof is always in. The pudding, but it's also um, what you have seen happen with your own eyes, and that's the real testament of homeopathy. The testimony of the efficacy of homeopathy is in those who actually use it and see these changes, and give and are witness to the changes. And um, and it's just amazing. This story is so interesting, and just by treating something on a mental emotional level. The body restores itself and it goes back to how it's supposed to be.
1: I suppose my, my experience, uh, I've seen it working on animals I, uh, and in relation to Aconite, uh, I actually had an incident myself. Then uh, Cork Airport uh, is a lovely little airport, um, um, but it's 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 built on top of a hill. And it's, it's notoriously known for her that if the pilot doesn't understand the, the landing, it literally the plane will just drop out of the sky. And I'm, I'm not, not
0: traveling to Cork anytime soon. I can promise you that. Well, that okay. one. No, no, I'll, I'll drive across the border, thanks. <laughs> but
1: it's uh well it's it's literally the Ryanair, the world famous Ryanair landings. They just No no, I them. don't <laughs> care. Yeah.
0: Doesn't matter. Well,
1: no no this 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 will work now with your, with your, with your hobby off Make sure you bring this the,
0: we'll push you out with a parachute, you know, off you go. <laughs> but
1: no, I I anyway it was just one day we landed on the airplane and or landed on the ground and literally he banged it off the ground I was like oh and you could actually hear the groan of other people other passengers kind of going mm. oh, that was a rough one and that was fine and you know homeopathy and and us humans and everything in this world we we function on vibration we function on a frequency so that landing had thrown me out slightly the slightest little bit of a, a shift but of course at the time I didn't realize it and over the next couple of years as I was getting on flights I was slowly building an anxiety, and then of going of uh, uh, flying. I said, like, just oh, this, this can't be possible. Why do I have a fear?" Now, of course, I didn't connect it to my incident at the time. And eventually I was uh, literally, I would be having sleepless nights, Uh, i go to the airport, palpitations, um, I would go to the toilet before I'd leave home, when I arrived at the airport, go to the toilet, even though I didn't need to go to the toilet, I'd go to the toilet, go through the whole procedure, sit down, read a book, uh, two minutes later, stand up, I need to go to the toilet, go back down, even though I didn't need to go to the toilet, I'd, I'd go through the whole motions, And and then you go to your queue for your for your gate. Did I go to the toilet? But I can't go to the toilet because I'm now in the queue. And this was constantly building up. Eventually, you'd take off from Cork Airport. That was fine. Um, It was a little bit of of the fear. Would be okay. And landing again, bit of a fear, more fear of the landing. But it was. Landing into Cork Airport, it literally, I would be holding onto the amorous of the seat and literally Mm. kind of going, is he going to make it? Are we going to land? Are we going to run out of runway? Literally cold sweats, palpitations. And it wasn't, again, eventually that was over, this was happening over a number of years. And eventually then going on holidays with my young family. And the last thing I wanted to show my kids was that I was beside myself with fear of flying. And I was trying to keep it together, and eventually I said, aconite, I'll use aconite. So I use aconite, and amazingly, I didn't have to go through the procedure of getting up and down and walking and checking my bags, going to the toilet several times before getting on the plane, and am I sitting on the aisle seat just in case I need to go to the toilet, and so on. Now, the takeoff was no problem. The landing and the takeoff from the other airport was no problem, but then I landing back into Cork Airport, I literally... Nearly passed out, and I was literally holding like this on the, mm. seat, on the plane. And my son turns to me and goes, Gee, you're not enjoying yourself, are you? And I literally, my head, eyes popping out of my head, sweat, my hair soaking, shirt stuck to mm. me. And I just said, Never again, never again am I going through that. So then it was just playing away. And came, as, as I said, farming next to the, to the airport, see the planes coming in and going out. And I go, I can't go up in the plane again like that. I can't do that again. And I said, OK, it wasn't that kind of, I didn't have a fear. But then I was using AAA remedy for TB testing uh, on the herd just to the fear, the anxiety and the anticipation of the test. Suddenly clicked at me. I says, I didn't have a fear of flying. I had the anticipation of the landing
0: hmm.
1: of the flight. It's arsenicum. And what's one of the provings of arsenicum is things go to SH1T and you have an urge of going to the toilet and the whole lot and your your whole life is falling apart. I says, you know, no, I'm going to cover myself and I'll take AAA before the flight. And did that. And I can honestly say they could land the plane on its roof into Cork Airport for all I care. Not a bother. And no fear of flying gone and that was just on literally one small bottle of water before the flight and during the flight and after that i haven't looked back since if that was if if an air hostess, and if it was allowed to be integrated as as part of your of your protocol of managing your passengers uh on the plane that's okay we have a passion here going thing and uh, getting a little bit edgy i just put a few drops into the water so who's to know <laughs> which i know is highly illegal but a few drops into the water sir. here's a glass of water here madame here's a glass of water problem resolved <laughs> I, I was
0: actually thinking <clears throat> whenever i i don't know if you've had this experience but generally you have the stewardess uh, or steward at uh, during a certain time in the aircraft and they they walk through the aisle and they spray you know the air freshener and uh, uh-huh. that usually ends up just choking you anyway because it's so strong but, uh, hey, here's an idea, isn't it? Would you just spray a, a nice homeopathic or batch flower remedy? <laughs> Everyone will be nice and happy when they land. Uh, customs will love it, you know. Everyone's so receptive and delighted to meet them, you know. Give okay, them a big hug. Thank you very much. Please take a look at my suitcase. <laughs> you know, And uh, you'll probably be arrested because you were so forceful of someone making sure that they check your luggage rather than trying to run. <laughs> Um now you know from one interesting story and you've had your fair share I have to say um to another you um sadly um had a farm accident and you know you were I think your finger was was uh, cut off wasn't it at the top of it so. well
1: we, it was after I think you in Ireland and the UK we had a very uh, harsh um uh, spring 18 uh, we had the very heavy snowfall and uh, usually most dairy farmers in the spring would lose at least 14 pounds weight uh during the calving period but this particular spring i'd say there was an extra 14 pounds knocked off as well so the the old pants is falling down and i said to myself right i need to tighten my belt here a bit more but i was after i had no more um buckle uh, no more holes in the belt so i needed to punch a hole in the belt and i said i'll go up to the local shopping center um um, just a couple of miles off the road for me uh, after my breakfast to get myself a new belt. Now, as it just so happens, the actual university hospital is across the road from the shopping centre. So uh, I got out my standy blade knife and um, I was trying to, while holding the knife in my left hand, I was trying to punch a hole through the leather belt and ended up creating a slingshot and the knife literally flung from my, slipped on the belt. And the knife, flung from my left hand and managed in the blink of an eye to cut the top off my, one of my left fingers and cut two tendons in the finger next to it. Mm. Why? Which as some people are kind of, as the nurse was, was saying to me, Hold it. you were holding the knife in your left hand. You managed to do this damage in your left hand. Like, I don't, and I, was, I said, don't ask. I said, don't ask. But <laughs> it, happens. <laughs> it happens. And she said, I've seen a lot of accidents. She said, but this is, this is one of the unusual ones and um so anyway instead of going to the shopping center i ended up across the road in, in the hospital and uh, at the same time when when the accident act- actually happened uh, i went straight up to my farm homeopathic kit and i took aconite um acolyte 1m for shock i took i think it was it uh, uh something whichever is a remedy to to help stop the bleeding anyway i was taking the couple of remedies and at the same time here is my hand literally and i was kind of going what am i after doing and i was trying to pour cold water on it and so on and ended up in the hospital and i'm literally looking at uh, the top of my finger uh, and literally i kind of going i have just lost a part of myself here uh, and i said Yo, so you stop thinking like this i said it's ignesia for that straight away because that you you've lost something hmm. and um and uh, then uh, the nurse said, "Right, we need to operate on your finger because to tie up the two tendons. Because um, if you don't, uh, your finger will freeze in one position." And I says, "All right." And says, so "What if uh, if I just didn't bother with the operation?" I said, um, "She says, well, to be honest, she said, uh, worst case scenario, she said, uh, well, best case scenario is that you won't be able to close." Uh, your, your finger your hand into a fist properly in the worst case scenario you you will be left your finger frozen in the universally recognized uh one finger position and mm. i was like all oh, right right okay uh i think uh, you, you got my attention and um <laughs> uh, i said
0: uh, uh, so... <laughs> uh, i'm sorry though no, uh for those who are just listening to the audio we, we're obviously talking i'm talking to pat and there is um we're talking over zoom and there's a video link so i won't tell you what gesture he just made
1: but it's universally <laughs> recognized yes. but uh, anyway moving on so anyway she got my attention it's okay yeah we'll do the operation uh, and so on and you'll be laid up for five weeks i was like five weeks in the springtime like that it's just that and i but as i said she got my attention so anyway um they did the operation and did the physio but of course i went uh, straight on to my uh not just my homeopath my homeopathic vet and i said right okay i'm going to have to use um belladonna um ernica, hypernicum for nerve injury and so on and and plenty of exercise and after six weeks um the guy going in for physio nurse comes in and she goes i have she said and i was able to close my hand tight." completely tight as normal and she was completely stunned she says I've, I've never seen a person in such a short space of time being able to have full recovery and especially at your age in your mid-40s and have the part the gripping power again in that short space of time and i was like oh yeah Should yeah, yeah. you know just some of us are unique and i of course mm-hmm. not mentioning anything about all and but then the top of the finger Uh, was she said uh, to me if you had actually cut just a couple of millimeters further down and actually taken a bit of the bone it would have been less painful but you cut right across the top of your nerves so that's it was quite painful because i said any bit of cold wind at all it says the pain travels up the finger up the arm and literally into the head, and I'm like Arr! and he'd be just working away with with a uh, a farm implement or you're getting into the tractor or whatever, and you top of your fingers touched or a uh, cold anti-cold. And it's just and I can understand why people are literally hooked on painkillers because of this nerve injury, let it be your mm-hmm. back injury, let it be whatever injury, sports injury, car accident, and in my situation, the nerves endings here cut. So of course I knew hypernicum again back onto my fetch. And I said, um, I said, listen, I need to this uh, this oh sorry. I said to the nurse, I said, this pain is horrendous. I said, Oh, you can't, there's no painkillers for it, but unfortunately people do. She said, But we say to people, two winters before you get over it. I said, Two winters, two winters with this pain. Ah, that's not gonna happen. No, no, no. <laughs> and uh, she says, Well, that's what it is. So I Isaac. Straight away, I could think to myself, hypernicum, 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 nerve injury, just keep taking it. So literally, all through the summer, that was June, and by September, when the weather was beginning to change again and the wind was turning easterly, uh, literally, no pain, nothing, zero. I went through that winter, didn't even know I'd cut the top off my finger. No painkillers, no nothing, zero.
0: That's amazing. Uh, that really is. And And recovery again here, I say, you know, It's uh, it's it is very, very swift. I mean, I I can honestly say that
1: and I had said this when I had started off and when I came back from doing the course in in November 17, I said, I'm going to put this into practice. And if I see results, I'm going to share this knowledge with any farmer that's willing to, to, to listen to me. And and I said to myself that eventually people will start talking. And they'll eventually kind of go say to themselves, well, if homeopathy can work on animals, why can't it work on humans?
0: Pat, there's, um, there's some very uh, good news that you shared with me, um, which was that fi- you, there are now 55, or maybe possibly more now, Irish homeopathic farmers. And, uh, you know, more vets are being trained to use and understand farm homeopathy. So, And I know that you've also been involved with um, setting up homeopathy at uh, welly level courses in in ireland so do share um it's the statistics are very very good and um we will actually talk about agri-homeopathy after this as well because um, yeah. i know that you know you're quite passionate about that too but do tell about uh, how that came about and um the, the courses themselves and the fact that you know so many irish homeopathic farmers uh, they're rather so many farmers are now using homeopathy in ireland
1: um, well, I suppose when I again when I came back from the home after well little course course uh, in November seventeen, I was uh, sitting there in Heathrow Airport, and um, I I just said to myself, I said I just said I'm going back to the island of Ireland, and I will be the only farmer on the island that has this knowledge that I've gained over the past week, and as I said earlier, I'm going to put this into practice, and the farmers are willing to listen. Now, luckily here in Ireland, um, our government. Um, are uh, quietly uh, uh, getting farmers or letting the opportunity be available to farmers to upskill their knowledge and there's an organization called national organic training skill nets and they offer courses at a 30 percent discount so i contacted them and i said look i've done this course it's amazing i want to implement it i want to bring it into ireland and uh and your man said, no problem. Yeah, we'd be interested. He said, but I said, there's no use just putting it up in a website. You, ha- you, We have to get bums and seats, do a launch, do an information evening. So with the help of um, Facebook and Instagram, I set up my page, um, which, is, which is now called uh, the Homey Pat Farmer. Um, and I, as somebody said to me, don't do recorded videos, do live videos, you get a bigger catchment. And eventually ended up with 60 people at the launch that night. And that lay, and I actually brought over some of the tutors from the hall the course uh, and some vets and two other, myself and another farmer, to talk about how homeopathy has changed their whole perspective, life changed, their herd health and everything else. And out of that evening, uh, at least we got the media time, we got the air time and we managed to, we got the, our first course off the ground in Ireland. Which 12 months previously, when I went on the course, they did the residential course, they didn't know where this was going to lead to. And as a, it it led to starting another course in another in another country. And um they turned around uh and it was a it, at the time it was a three-day course, and that was the first 12 uh, I think it was 12 farmers. And they there was also included in the course was I think 10 vets, uh, homeopathic vets. Hmm. So they were just kind of being upskilled in how to approach it from a farming perspective and be able to talk the talk and walk the walk with farmers. Uh then in November 19 we ran another course and again I think there was something like 12 on that course. And then of course unfortunately COVID hit the following autumn um things went online and um another another organization then from with some of the tutors and the vets from homeopathy very level went out on their own and they set up a uh, whole health Agriculture. And um, it was more of an online course, um, self-paced. You learn it in your own time, in your own modules. It's no fixed time. And plenty of backup support. And I decided to see, and it was a more, farmers don't go to their books. We don't have the time to go to our books to repertise a remedy. Oh, there's a cow sick. And you stand there for 20 minutes looking at the cow and assessing the situation and and going and going. And you're losing time, and the cow is losing time. So farmers think on their feet, it's bang, 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 bang. I need that remedy. And the whole health agriculture course teaches you that because you're thinking on your feet. And you say, this is the remedy I need. Bang, bang, bang. And problem resolved. Move on. Next job. And um, and it's very, it's a very solid course with great backup support. Uh, I think it's once a month meetings we have on a Thursday. Then you tune into the Zoom call. You have a discussion on, on what's going on at that time. And um they do, uh, and you ask your questions, and and so on, and saying, "Look, this is what's going on on my farm at the moment. Can you help me?" Now you can have also tech support and all that can goes on. And uh, there's also the body farmers. Now at the moment, I think it's something like sixty-five are in the WhatsApp group, and that is definitely growing internationally. They it is uh, it is growing as well, and um, they have a fantastic website, uh, wholehealthagriculture.org, or org. And um, as I said, there's great shooters, great vets on it, and uh, there's a huge amount of time and a huge amount of passion in it mm. uh, as well. And um, it is yeah, it's gaining it's gaining uh, traction. But in uh, not just Ireland and England, uh, it's also been launched in New Zealand. And hopefully in the coming months, uh, hoping that we'll be able to get the attention of uh, American farmers and American people to talk to their neighbouring farmers in whatever state you come from in America to say, why not have a look at this to reduce your antibiotic dependency?
0: That's that's, uh, really motivating and very commendable indeed. Uh, Pat, finally... I was going to ask you about agri homeopathy, and actually, this is how uh, I touched base with you. I believe it was uh, when Camilla Cher actually came on the show, and um, I think you retweeted, or it was on Facebook, or something like that, on one of the social media platforms. And uh, and we started chatting, didn't we, on and off, and yeah. uh, and here we are today. You know, it's uh, it's great that journey itself has been quite interesting. And um, do tell me about your interest with. Uh, <clears throat> angry homeopathy and 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 soil well
1: i suppose but again with homeopathy and the natural approach to animals i was kind of going if this little pill can do this to a cow what can you do to your land because uh, i was beginning to realize that everything is energy the plants are energy and operate in a frequency they're talking to each other um and it's that it might sound a bit daft but the science is there they could uh, actually they, they, they literally are enjoying a hot uh, day or if it's going into a drought conditions. Literally, the, the plants, the grass is literally screaming at you that I'm under pressure here. I'm stressed. And again, you can give such and such remedies as I realized. But I, at the time, I didn't realize this. I wasn't joining the dots together. And I. Um, I had done another course on um, microbial farming and introducing microbes back into the soil and getting the chemicals out. So I've dramatically reduced my chemical fertilizer inputs, Hmm. and um, and instead of going, uh, so sorry that yeah, dramatically reduced that. And then it was talk, one of the, just a, a farmer in America contacted me, Pat, and, and I said, Pat, you know, you, this woman, Camilla Schur, is doing this agri-homeopathy course. Have a look at it. So I tuned in and I was utterly gobsmacked. Her method of teaching is just so calm and relaxed and simple. And uh, I just said, uh, that couldn't be possible. But it does. It makes complete sense. It makes complete stress and again fear of cold and all that belladonna for heat and salt and all those type of remedies and um and literally looking at her at her at her pictures and uh talking about the coffee farmer from tanzania so then i was saying it to another vet uh, in january and uh literally uh, he said to me that he knew that he knows of um, researchers, homeopathic researchers out there working with farming that are literally working on 1,200 hectare plots, where no chemicals out in the dry, arid desert are using homeopathy only to grow crops that will surpass chemical farming.
0: Pat Ahern, it's been absolutely wonderful to have you on the podcast today. And uh, I've, I've really truly enjoyed and loved the stories um, of healing that you've shared with us. And, uh, you know, it's just a testament to the work that you're doing, and also your commitment and and passion. And uh, I do hope later this year, uh, when you do get a a free moment, uh, I know it's been tricky uh, getting you on this podcast, because (laughs) you're so busy. But certainly, I hope, you know, at the end end of the year you can come back and, and share some of the developments uh in homeopathy and some more of your experiences
1: oh yes yes i'd be delighted to take without a doubt but can i also can i just mention as well with the uh, whole health egg uh, it's pretty much is a voluntary organization um um, a, a huge amount of work gone into it in the last number of years, and a lot of farmers volunteering their time. Like, I'm I'm not on my own. There are several other farmers across the world, uh, in New Zealand and UK and Ireland, that are pushing this with other farmers. But it, it it can't run in fresh air and water. And if there's anybody out there willing to give a donation to um to www wholeheadagriculture.org there is a, a donation button there they would be greatly appreciated uh, i can guarantee you won't get a return on your investment only the sheer knowledge of knowing that you are making the world a better place by educating farmers to do things differently for the greater good of humanity Pat to her, uh, thank
0: you so much uh, god bless you and i very much look forward to seeing you later this year
1: and thank you very much and most certainly looking forward to it and hopefully with good news stories about homeopathy on the side
0: I do hope you've enjoyed the Homeopathy Health Show here on UK Health Radio the world's number one talk health radio tune in next time for more things homeopathy interviews and segments on the healing possibilities that homeopathy can bring you and don't forget to visit UK Health Radio online at www ukhealthradio.com to see the many other amazing shows available to listen live and on demand or why not download the app from the ios and android stores until next time stay safe and take care